Welcome to Market Mentors, a podcast for the marketing leaders of today and tomorrow. I'm Fiona Jensen, a director and co-owner of Market Recruitment. For over a decade, I've been helping B2B marketeers find the best jobs with great companies. Together, we'll discover how marketing experts reach the top and learn from their experience. Ask career-related questions you can't get answers to elsewhere. Be tough, be challenged, be mentored. How does the history of a brand help define its future? It's a good question, and one of the many today's guest Robin McKenzie answers. Robin is a warm, pragmatic family man who loves sharing some great insights from his career, spanning the exciting world of madmen advertising to the ups and downs of working at large corporates and everything that goes with it. Thank you ever so much for joining us on Market Mentors. It would be great if you could give us a summary of your skills and experience overall so the audience can understand the wonderful um, experience that they're about to learn from. I'm very happy to. So my career really falls into three main uh, sections. The first section of my career was in advertising, uh, where I worked for... Oh, you were a madman. Uh, I, well, I was, I was certainly mad. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure I qualified as a madman. Um, <laughs> but I was a planner in advertising for about eight or nine years. Uh, and I learned there an awful lot about uh, customer insight around research uh, and making the complex simple. Um, I then moved uh, into client-side activities, initially in the consumer marketing arena. So I worked at BT in the consumer marketing team, gradually progressed through into more strategic marketing roles. So looking at some of the core disciplines away from communications uh, into segmentation, proposition development, marketing strategy and marketing execution. Um, And then in the third phase of my career, I discovered the joy that is B2B marketing. (laughs) So I transitioned initially in BT to its business-to-business function uh, and really found there my absolute heartland um, because I think it's a little bit more complex and a little bit more pure as a marketing discipline, which is how do you combine all of the things that marketeers can do into something which really makes a difference for a business. Fantastic. Well, that's lovely. So having interviewed a host of B2B marketeers over the years, what advice would you give them to perform better when they're actually in an interview scenario? I think there's a couple. I can only talk about what I look Mm. for. So there's a couple of things I always look for. Mm -hmm. Um, The first is, I think, being really clear about what the role for marketing is in a B2B organisation. And for me, we exist to help sales sell. Mm-hmm. So somebody that understands that and, and talks in that way, that's the first thing that's really important. The, the second is, despite all of the new opportunities and different uh, challenges that we all have as B2B marketeers, actually it's fundamentally about the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's about a disciplined approach to what it is we do and how we measure the effect and how we can then improve on it. Um, third thing I always look for is... Uh, you, you as a B2B marketeer have to walk in two people's shoes. Walk in the shoes of the customer, but also walk in the shoes of the sales guy. Because the sales guy, uh, man or woman, is the person that really does the work, whether they're doing face-to-face sales or telephony-based. And our role is to help understand those things and help them do their jobs better. So... If they're in the interview scenario, they need to think about bringing all of that to the fore. So being able to communicate that clearly 
um, and also appreciating the business that they're interviewing for and what those journeys and experiences might be like. The best interviews, it's a bit like media training. Mm. If if anybody's gone through media training, you have to recognise that the things you know about, you're far more expert in than the person that's interviewing you. Mm. So the critical thing is to simplify the story down so that you you can tell it as a story, that you can be very clear. Don't talk about jargon. Be very clear about where you found yourself, what the situation was, what you did, the difference you made, what your learning was. We never as interviewers expect perfection. Uh, and I've always been taught that, that what I'm looking for is uh, I recruit for attitude, which I think is exactly the right thing. If I can see the right attitude in somebody, if I can see clear thinking, if I can see passion, if I can see integrity, and I can see that understanding of customers, that's what I look for. Crisp, clear stories with solid data points that really help reinforce that this is what this person will bring to the team. Perfect. Really lovely advice. Thank you. Um, how has marketing changed <clears throat> since you started out on your career? Uh, well, everything's changed since I started out <laughs> in my career. Um, I think the very uh, before I even worked in advertising, the very first thing I was responsible for in an office was delivering handwritten messages to the telex operators uh, to type out and, tra- and transfer and telex over to the US. So technology has transformed. Um, I think in the main, if you think about the fact that Google only uh, came to be uh, less than 20 years ago, um, then the entire world has transformed. Um, But the more I get involved with new tools and techniques, uh, the more I'm convinced that actually the core disciplines are still the same. There are just new and quicker and different ways of, of executing. And what I mean by that is we still have a role to tell stories. Uh, we still have a requirement to contribute to opening doors for sales or presenting leads and opportunities to sales and qualifying those to a point that sales can actually go in and maximise their conversion rates. Now, the fact that we're using any number of different tools to do it means that actually the core discipline remains the same, the tools change, but keep absolutely focused on those core disciplines. Brilliant. Um, What was the biggest learning curve that you've had when you got to your first senior leadership role in B2B marketing? I suppose there were two. One is is actually when I I did something which I would recommend all business-to-business marketing people do, which is run a sales team. Um, and I, uh, I was involved in the setup of an inside sales channel for mm-hmm. uh, one of the brands I worked on. Um, and that brought together best of breed uh, sales, digital and telephony based marketing uh, into, if you like, one coherent uh, proposition. Uh, and what I learned really was that um, I'd spent all of my career till then working on big brands, developing, carefully thought through, deeply integrated, long-term campaigns where every single media played its role. And it was highly structured, highly disciplined, highly organised, and took about nine months from cradle to grave, from the inception of the planning, the development of the plan, the execution of a quarterly campaign, and the delivery of the results. And what I learned in running my own inside sales team from scratch was that you had to do all of that but do it in a day, <laughs> not in nine months, because you were learning instantly what was resonating, what wasn't. And you were having to execute the same disciplines but do it so much quicker. 
do it with clarity and be adaptable and and flexible and align with what salespeople and customers were telling us was working straight away. So I used to wait months to see copy from a from an agency, and we ended up having to change and get an agency who could turn around copy in a day. Hmm. Same disciplines, just much much quicker, much more focused, much more agile, much more aligned with sales than ever before. Brilliant. Um, describe your perfect B two B marketing department. Um, examples of teams you've seen smash it, and why, <laughs> and, and what kind of budget they had or activity they undertook. So I think the first thing about a perfect business to business marketing team is um, is actually more of a qualitative than a structural element. And the qualitative element I always look for is that is that marketing team central to the business. And is it regarded as central to the business and is it demonstrating its value? Um, I think all too often uh, where business-to-business marketeers get frustrated is where they feel they are not in that role. So what I always look for is, is this department central to the business? Um, That's the first very important thing. The second (coughs) thing is, um, is it truly helping sales sell? Mm. Uh, And that can be... Uh, in anything from creating a brand position that helps open the doors for sales through to delivering campaigns that actually generate the right quality of lead and then can be presented to sales through to actually helping sales with what are the conversations they should be having. So if you're central to the business and you're helping sales sell and you are using and proving the tools available to you, that's the stuff I look for. Structurally, that can be everything from a fully integrated marketing department, from brand right the way through to sales enablement, data, uh, data management, campaign delivery. Um, Or it can be any element and component of that. Um, I think every business I've ever worked in has similar challenges but different structures. So the role for B2B marketing is to fit comfortably within that and still open the door, help sales close the sale. So, what's the best career advice you've ever been given or found for yourself? That's a great question. Uh, I think that there are, if I may, there are three. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very I unfair. Like a lot, uh, there's a lot of threes. I like it. I like it. Real value. Yeah, the first, the first is just a, it's actually just a piece of, of advice which I've always held really dear, which was, was not to do with work, but was, to do, was from my dad, which was don't ever be an if only. And I've always found that just a really simple thing. If you're thinking about, you know, what you do next, where you go, what your choice is, at that moment, think about how things will be in a couple of years' time and look back and do the if only. If only I'd done X or if only I'd done Y. That will almost invariably be the thing that you should think about and the way you should act. That's the first thing. Second thing is I had a great uh, leader uh, in one of my businesses who um, I'm a bit... Um, prone to big strategic concepts and big visionary thoughts and 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 that's what I like doing Mm. I like telling those stories Uh, and he always said to me um, that he wouldn't entertain a single big strategic concept unless I told him the first three steps that would be taken for the first three weeks so know where you're trying to get to but nail down the first three steps because then you get momentum and any business that gets momentum will deliver real progress So that's the second big piece of advice. Um, The third piece of advice, which again is more career-based, is if you know yourself, then you can brand yourself and then you can succeed in any environment. 
and spend some time just making sure you know as much about yourself as possible because what makes you tick will drive the environments that you should find yourself in, the things you'll enjoy doing. And if you enjoy doing something, chances are you're going to be better at it and you're going to be more successful as a result. Fantastic. I love it. Market Mentors is produced by Rockwood Audio, a subscription production service that takes the pain out of podcasting. From advice and support to editing and production to music and artwork, Rockwood Audio has you covered so you can stay focused on your goals. Better, faster, easier. Rockwood Audio. Save time, sound like a pro. What's the worst experience you've had working for someone? There have been a couple of uh, occasions where... I think if I reflect back with the benefit of hindsight, mm. then um, probably uh, it's when I've had occasion to work with people where our core values are different. Um, and that's something which uh, is difficult to interpret at the time, but is much easier with the benefit of hindsight to understand. And I think, again, it comes back to knowing what makes you tick. And I know what I look for in a boss. I look for my own inspiration. I look for somebody that I can help to be successful. I look for someone that can can help coach me, that can help me learn. Mm. Um, And uh, when I find those relationships, when I actively seek them, which I do, and and they work, they work incredibly well. Mm. It's a two-way relationship. Um, when it's not been the case, um, that's actually because we've got some slightly different moral or ethical or business principles. And those are the ones, very few occasions, but those are the ones that haven't worked for me. Um, Mm. That's good learning in itself. Yeah, very true. Um, How do you manage your marketing career in a company that's very, very short-term focused? In a funny way, I think there's a fantastic challenge in in being a marketeer in a company that's short-term focus. Uh, And the reason for that is that you've got an opportunity to demonstrate something really important every day, which is the value marketing brings. So if the focus is on a day, then demonstrate how much you've improved things in a day. Mm. Um, If the focus was we need 10 leads a day and you've got it up to 11 or 12, you've delivered a 10 to 20% uplift in performance. So actually, perversely, the more short-term it is, the more you can demonstrate real, rapid value. Uh, And that's all about understanding how you can squeeze better value out of the investment that's being made, what you need to do to improve it, and also how you tell people. So don't worry about being in a short-term focused company. Actually, in many ways, that's a great challenge and a great opportunity for any marketer. Oh, there you go. Challenge, hopefully, accepted. Um, with social technological changes set to continue apace, what do you think an aspiring marketeer should be learning now to be in the best position possible to add value to business in five or ten years' time? I would say there are, there are three core skills, and then there's a technology angle. So the three core skills are, um, number one, know how to tell a story. Uh, number two understand the sales process and the sales triggers uh, in the business that you're in. And number three is be very comfortable talking about an end-to-end pipeline and be very comfortable what a pipeline looks like, what the metrics look like, what the drivers of success can be, because those will endure. Uh, What I would look to people to really understand is how is it that 
digital channels will change B2B marketing. And what are the channels that B2B marketing should uh, regard as central and what should be regarded as peripheral? Uh, and those are those are two very discrete things. You know, each business will have a degree of uh, either uh, desire to embrace new technologies or resistance to it. Um, in the business I've been in most recently, uh, it perhaps was probably it was probably one of the last businesses to enter social media, um, and it was because that uh, it had a long-standing heritage. It felt somewhat nervous about the concept of social media. Um, so we've now embraced social media, but we've done it step by step and we've proven each stage what it is we're doing, why we're doing it, and how it's making a difference to the business. Now, that's a very traditional business. In a very new tech startup, you'll be looking to embrace the very latest and the very new. All I would ever say is use them for what they're good for and use them well. Perfect. And uh, um, what past failure <clears throat> or uncomfortable experience set you up for success at a later date? I think in a couple of occasions in my career, very different situations, um, that I've been in situations where things have been going on the surface incredibly well. Mm. So there's been good sort of headline momentum. Um, And I think the thing that I would always, that those have taught me is there can be unexpected things around the corner that Mm -hmm. you need to prepare for and you need to plan for. Um, So it's always worth thinking not just about the positive, but also about the sort of potential and always on those occasions put in place the most solid foundations you possibly can. Uh, so in one business, uh, which was in the B2B market, we, we hit uh, a very uh, surprising but very quick uh, recession. Mm. And our business the wasn't... R-word. Yeah, the, the R-word. Yeah, the r And the business wasn't sufficiently ready for that. Mm. Uh, in terms of its underlying foundations. Uh, in, in other businesses, there can be a, a key contract win uh, mm. that goes against you. But again, you have to be ready for that. And you have to be able to prepare for the uh, unexpected as well as ride the wave of success when it's happening. Mm. So prepare for the worst. Prepare for the worst. There's no you, The worst that can happen if you prepare for the worst is you've wasted a bit of time. Mm. The best that can happen is that you've got very solid foundations that, that continue to drive the business forward. Brilliant. Um, <clears throat> the gender pay gap and um, percentage of male versus female leadership roles, do you think this challenge needs addressing in our industry? And if so, how? I think it needs addressing in every industry. Mm. I think there are different things. I, I, I have three daughters who are now either in or entering the workplace, and mm-hmm. I... I don't think they enter the workplace thinking there is, nor should they, that there's any differential in pay between a male and female employee, Mm. and that's entirely the right way. Um, I think that there is a gender pay gap still across virtually every business, certainly in the UK, um, triggered by how people choose, if they are involved in in having children, how people choose to take that time, whether it's Mm. males or females. Um, And I think that we need to continue to challenge that. I think it's culture that tends to be at fault in companies. I think uh, in a modern world, we should recognise and respect that people can add significant value, males or females, if they are taking time out to look after families. That's completely fine. That's as it should be. uh, And that they can walk back into a workplace and add significant value. 
Um, I think we have technology now that should enable us to work flexibly. We have uh, a generation of people that are happy to work flexibly. We've no need to sit in an office and talk to each other five days a week, eight hours a day. Um, And that's what we should all be embracing. Brilliant. Um, I I reckon there'll be a lot of nodding heads there. Um, It's often said you can be paid in money or experience. Looking back on your career, how often did you value experience over a higher salary? And did you strike a good balance? I have always said that everything I've ever done has helped me learn and change. Mm. Uh, And therefore experience has always been the most important thing. Um, and I won't deny that I've been very lucky along the way and that that has also come with, you know, therefore there's a, a good salary as well. I would always take experience over salary. I think it's the most important thing um, because actually in, experience endures. You know, salary is, relatively speaking, is transient um, and I think it can go up and can go down. It, you can do very well, you can do less well. There are situations. But actually, the more you experience, the more you learn, the more prepared you are for any challenge in the future. In a digital world of new apps and new startups, do the established incumbent stroke legacy brands really matter anymore? Brands matter. Mm. Um, uh, whatever your brand is, I mean, there was something I, I taught when I was, or I was taught when I was in advertising, which was actually the difference between products and brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use this to this day: the difference between the product, uh, a product uh, does something, a brand mm-hmm. stands for something as well. What a product does is pretty much functional. It fulfills a specific rational requirement. What a brand stands for is always emotional. And products really, just by the, their very existence, expand choice. But a brand simplifies a buying decision. So I, as a consumer, know I've got choice, but I choose this particular brand. I'm not going to tell you exactly why, because I don't really know why, but that's what a brand is all about. So whether you are a new brand or an established one, brands are all important. Um, I think that people choose different things for different reasons. If you have a a new business and a new brand, then absolutely you're going to champion its newness. Mm. You're going to be a challenger and you should play to that, play to your strengths. Established brands have a number of different elements to them that are equally important. Um, I work in a business now that's over 200 years old. It's got 200 years of heritage to draw on. It's got 200 years of relationships to draw on. It's got 200 years of innovation to draw on. Those are massively important things, and that history defines its future. Um, so, yes, of course, traditional brands have a role, as long as you use that uh, traditional set of values successfully to shape away to the future. Just as new brands have a role, as long as they can demonstrate that they will make a difference in the future. Mm, brilliant. Um, what are the marketing skills of the future, i.e. what do we invest in, growth hacking, inbound, ABM, automation, <laughs> whatever next? <laughs> uh, I, it's, very, it's very dangerous to try and predict mm. the future in that sense. I think, uh, again, I would focus on the core disciplines because I think you can learn the technologies. So I would focus on the skills for the future are, just as they have been right the way through, the strength of storytelling, the strength of insight, Uh, focus on the consumer, understanding the sales process, understanding the sales pipeline, how those things then get delivered and how those things get generated will always change. Mm. So, you know, in in, when I was in various roles in B2B marketing, it's always been about big TV campaigns. Well, Mm. that's no longer the case. 
Yeah. It's now about different different ways of amplifying content across different channels. But the core discipline remains. I've got to have somebody understand that I exist. I've got to have a relevant proposition for them. I've got to make them want to talk to me. And when they do talk to me, I've got to give them the relevant information. So all of those things are the things that I would focus on as core disciplines. All of the techniques we also need to have, but those techniques will evolve and change over time. And you can learn them as you go. We can always learn. I, I'm, I'm an old dog and I don't know all the new tricks about social media, but I know well enough to bring in people to the team that really do understand mm. it. Uh, and that's part of the management of a team. You know, I, I'm, I wouldn't profess to be an expert in all things digital and all things social, but what I do have is, is trusted people who I know know much more about it that I can then get the best out of by helping them with some of the broader structural elements that I understand. Mm. Brilliant. With pressures of general life, how do you manage the work-life balance and how important is that in today's society, especially with three daughters? It's really important that I'm really bad at it. Um, I I am a a sad workaholic. Um, But uh, I think it's incredibly important, I think, uh, for for anybody... um, being able to be uh, happy mm. in, in all parts of your life, being able to be fulfilled in all parts of your life is really important. You know, I often, I often say I can deal with tons of ambiguity at work as long as home is absolutely great mm. and tons of ambiguity at home as long as work is really great. Mm. You know, and so it, you can't function optimally unless you actually are able to, you know, take a breather, take time, balance your work life you know and and that's really important and and i think it's an easy thing to say and i've spent 30 years learning how to do it i'm still learning yeah i think we all are um as a senior marketing leader what is your guilty pleasure well it's it's little to do with marketing and a lot to do with anything to do with uh master chef on television i have to watch so uh, Love that. as my um as my wife and kids will testify, um, if it's anything MasterChef, I'll be watching it, uh, and nothing will interrupt me during that time. Do you find it inspiring? Are you a? Uh, I just find it fascinating. Chef. Yeah, I, I think to a certain extent inspiring, um, and I think I would love to, to create such amazing stuff. But I, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. I, I, a general fascination with the process and just the sheer entertainment value of it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a fab programme. We watch that too. Um, what's the book you recommend the most for B2B marketers? So I've been really rubbish at reading all of my life. And that's <laughs> probably because I did an English degree. Um, so I've not been a great <laughs> you did reader. enough back then. That's right. But, <laughs> but I, I certainly, I think there's two things I really appreciate. I, I will consume far more. Um, real life case studies mm-hmm. and real uh, uh, proper case studies. Mm-hmm. So really carefully thought through examples of how people have tackled certain issues. Uh, I was lucky enough in part of my career to work with um, uh, one of the big management consultancies on some internal projects. And the thing that they had was this great mine of different stories of how people have tackled certain issues. And mm-hmm. I was voracious in consuming those. Uh, and the second is, it's always been, you know, a, an aspiration that I can help be part of a transformation that gets written up in the Harvard Business Review, um, because I find the accessibility of the way those articles are written is they're rich in insight, but they're very accessible. And if you read the right ones, there's always something in it for you, some piece of learning, some piece of, of um, 
insight that you can take and deploy into your own situation. Mm. Well, I believe you'll be there soon. <laughs> I should be reading it, checking it <laughs> regularly. Thank you. Um, what parting words of wisdom or advice would you share with our audience? I think the, I think recognise how lucky we are to be in business to business marketing. Uh, I think it's a it's truly fantastic. Um, discipline to be expert in and it's fantastic for a couple of reasons i think the marketing function within a b2b organization should be the pulse of the organization it should set the vision it should bring people together it should help sales sell uh, and that is a that is a huge uh, and exciting um, place to be and when we get it right and we don't always get it right then actually uh, the very best organisations um, are ones where there's actually not a tissue paper between marketing, sales, operations and any of those other functions, product, R&D. Actually, it's everybody focusing on that same core purpose and invariably marketing will be at the very heart of that. Fantastic. Thank you ever so much for your time. It's not been a real inspiration. My pleasure. Thank you. So there you have it, career advice from a real marketing expert and leader in the field. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please leave us a review in iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback.